With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Somebody's been a bad lizard. More pictures of Spider-Man. Uh, maybe just a few less. Let's maybe strike that by two. Ah, fine. We got to talk about it. All right. Amazing Spider-Man time here on Post Show Recaps on Everything is Super. Everything is Spider-Man. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by a guy who has the wisdom to know that the best kinds of promises Stop. are the ones Stop you it. can't Stop keep. It. Stop it. Stop it. It's Kevin. He, he loves a skateboard. He, lo- he loves a skateboard. It's 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 my best friend Kevin Mahadeo, number one amazing Spider-Man Stan Kevin Mahadeo. Just like with this movie and the characters in it, you got everything wrong about me. It's in the statements. It's the amazing Kevin. Just, just I forgot about that line because it's been two weeks. The best promises are the ones you can't keep. You Those can't are the keep worst them, promises. Kevin. What is that? You can't mean? keep them. You don't keep them, and you and you you love to break them, and we love to break them down here on Everything Is Super, the post show recaps podcast, where we're talking about superheroics or other sorts of shenanigans. And started as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we've veered into the Spider Verse. Last week we took a break, we swung back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe because uh, we had so much to discuss as it pertains to all of the wild Disney Plus announcements and. Kevin and I were both like, all right, well, let's put a pin in Amazing Spider-Man for now. We'll watch Amazing Spider-Man 2 next week, and we'll just do one podcast on Amazing Spider-Man 1 and Amazing Spider-Man 2. And I and I know that there was a period of time, at least, Kevin, where you're like, man, you know, I, I haven't seen Amazing Spider-Man 2 before. It's been a long time since I've seen Amazing Spider-Man 1. I feel like we should probably do one podcast on each. And I was like, Kevin, I think we could probably do one po- podcast and, and cover all of it. Uh, and now here we are. We're at the moment where necessity has forced our hand. Time has run out, Kevin. Uh, time is a metaphor and a recurring motif throughout this podcast. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, here we are. <laughs> It's amazing Where, Spider-Man. Has this movie broken you so badly? You saw two earlier today, I believe. So are you so broken you just can't even I'm form okay. popular, I'm, pop, I'm, popular I'm, pop proper sentences? I'll, 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 t- I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I I think uh, I think for me, uh, the first one broke me more than the second one because I. I so so I said this during the 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 I did a live watch of Amazing Spider-Man. With the patrons of post show recaps and the post show recaps patron Discord, uh, and and I said like this is a movie that surprisingly the Amazing Spider Man has 
I have like some nostalgia for because it is a movie that came out while I was um, deep in in the midst of uh, my 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 stage of entertainment journalism, uh, where I was really covering the shiznit out of comic book movies. Um, and this movie, The Amazing Spider-Man, it was a movie that I reported on heavily uh, from casting all the way through its release. Um, it was a movie that I got involved in like Sony's viral marketing campaign. I've been desperately trying to find it. There's a really funny video that was produced once upon a time of myself running through New York City trying to find Spider-Man uh, via the amazing Spider-Man marketing, viral marketing campaign uh, with a group of fellow uh, Spider-Man fans who were also participating in the, in the viral marketing stunt. Uh, it was the, the search for Spider-Man. We went around New York City spray painting key locations with the spider symbol. And it was ridiculous and hilarious and one of the weirdest nights of my professional life. And that video exists somewhere. It may just take a while to unearth, but I will unearth it someday. Probably next month would be my... Uh, that's what the inside track tells me from my, my sources at Oscorp, who still have a line on that video. I have a lot of nostalgia for this period of my life. It's 2012. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises, Avengers, like the, a million movies. I think uh, Hunger Games is coming out. There's all sorts of stuff that's happening that year. And so it, it takes me back to a certain moment in my career. And I think I was, I, I love Andrew Garfield as an actor. I love Emma Stone. And I think I really, really, really wanted to like Amazing Spider-Man. And my memory of Amazing Spider-Man is like, it's fine. It's a, it's a pretty good movie. I'll never watch it again, but it's a pretty good movie. Um, and my memory of Amazing Spider-Man 2 was that it was like, it was worse, but fairly similar, better suit. Uh, and then I watched The Amazing Spider-Man last week, Kevin, and, and that's what broke me. Because I, I, I had to swing from Spider-Man 3 to The Amazing Spider-Man and somehow come to grips with the fact that like, no, this one's worse. It's worse. How did it happen? It's so boring. And I think that that's the thing, like for some people, some people think that like Spider-Man 3 is more actively bad and that the amazing Spider-Man's greatest sin is that it's very boring. And I'll tell you that much in the way, I, I think I said this last week, I certainly said it to you, Kevin, uh, offline, if not online, that much in the way that you walked in, uh, I believe you walked into Spider-Man 3 wanting to hate it, uh, not wanting to give it a, any kind of a chance, Kevin. I did not walk into Amazing Spider-Man with my heart open to it. My heart was closed. Uh, and so I was bored to death. It bored the ever-loving shit out of me. And so by the time I got through with that, it was going to be really hard to fall too much harder once I watched The Amazing Spider-Man 2. It was a lot of dread in the build-up to re-watching it. I'm not thrilled that I had to watch it, but I did. And we're here to talk about it. And those are basically my main opinions about the amazing Spider-Man movies, movies that exist and movies that I've seen again now and movies that I, if I have it my way, I shall never see again. <laughs> I absolutely never want to see these films again. I'd never watched Amazing Spider-Man 2. I... You had never seen it before, right? No, and what, this what, was, what was the what was the reason? Was it because because I heard uh, how bad it was, and the first one was so you bad? You just didn't want to waste your money on it, yeah, yeah. And I just didn't have an interest, and I knew going in it was going to be bad, but it was so it was somehow worse. Even prepared, even with the knowledge of how bad it is, it was so worse. And like compared 
So Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, Raimi Spider-Man 3 is a goddamn masterpiece. Like, it's insane. And I know, like, you're saying that you were already low. How could you go lower with 2? But it did for me. 2, I hated that movie with a passion. And for me, it's like, when a movie gets so bad, and then they do a sequel. And for me, it's like this in the sequel, you have a chance to fix it. You have a chance to take all the criticism you had and fix those problems and do a better version of it. And then you still do the worst thing. It's insane to me. It's how I felt after watching. I watched Alien versus Predator and I was like, this is a terrible goddamn movie. And when they were like, oh, Requiem, I'm like, cool. Maybe they solved all the problems that they heard about and Requiem will be better. And it was worse. And I'm like, how is this possible? How could you possibly do all the things wrong again and make even more mistakes? It's so willfully ignorant. It reminds me when when uh, this, the, the Marvel Sony thing happened with uh, the third Spider-Man movie recently, I remember being so mad uh, because of Sony, because they have just botched the Spider-Man stuff when they've been left to their own devices with Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. And I was like, they don't deserve more money, honestly. Like, when you F up that bad, you, you, you shouldn't really have a say anymore. Your toys should have been taken away from you, honestly. Um, and then we watched the Raimi stuff and I, I remember Spider-Verse and I was like, oh, cool. You know, may, maybe it's not so bad. And then I watched these movies and I'm like, no, I'm mad at you again. I'm mad about the fact that you you tried to take Tom Holland away from us. You tried to destroy yeah, right. this third Spider-Man movie. Like it's almost like it's infuriating, um, I guess is the best word for it of how I feel right now. <laughs> So so let's give some context. So there, there's two movies in the Amazing Spider-Man duology. If you did not see them, uh, because you were just like, oh, they'll, I'll listen to the podcast. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have to do that if I don't have. Smart. To. So there's two movie, two movies in the Amazing Spider-Man duology. Um, they star Andrew Garfield of the Social Network uh, as Peter Parker, uh, high school aged, uh, young adult Peter Parker, uh, and they chronicle. His growing uh, powers as Spider-Man after he is bitten by a radioactive spider because he has infiltrated Oscorp to find out about his secret super spy parents. There's that. Uh, He's also at this point now wearing um, his uh, his late father's glasses. Which because. Dude, that's how glasses work. It's not how like that. mm, That is such a minuscule thing. But when he put his dad's glasses on, I was like, what are you? What are you doing? He's now wearing his father's glasses because they have the same exact vision. They don't. Uh, You don't know that. There's no way you know it. Even if you didn't know, but he he, even if you think, you know, yes, if it's off, that's super bad for your eyes. Well, he took the contacts out, Kevin, and then he put his dad's glasses on. and He was like, oh, I can wear these. Oh, wow. Yeah, only you know? only for half the movie because like so many plot well, threads then he in this gets film. Bit by the spider, and he's not going to wear glasses anymore because now he's no, you know Josh, he's, he is he, he is wearing those glasses after being well. Bit that's by the just spider. for show. That's just for show. It's just for show. You know, it's just like so. No, it's it's the one way he's trying to throw everybody off the scent that he's Spider Man because all other uh, obvious evidence points to the fact that this dude is Spider Man. He is dunking on the full basketball team. He is breaking the backboard. He's throwing footballs and denting football goalposts. Uh, this, ma- this, is, this man is Spider-Man. 
folks, Peter Parker. There's just really no no question about it. This guy's clearly uh, the radioactive Spider-Man. No, the amazing he's, he's Spider-Man not, though. Even. He's nothing like but Spider-Man. He but he is, though, because he's Peter Parker, and the movie's called The Amazing Spider-Man, so he's the amazing Spider-Man. And he's he the, the films chronicle his growing relationship with Gwen Stacy, first love uh, from the comic books, this time played by Emma Stone. Step aside, Bryce Dallas Howard. She's not back for the ride. It's a totally new continuity. Uncle Ben and Aunt May are back. What's up, Marty Sheen? What's up, Sally Field? So long, Marty Sheen. He doesn't make it. He gets to have some close approximation of great power comes great responsibility. He dies. Peter spends a lot of time trying to figure out, okay, who, who did that? I want to find out who did that. And he spends a lot of time doing that. And then meanwhile, an actor who is not Dylan Baker, Reese Ifans, is like, hey, so I heard that you guys were building up the lizard over the last couple of movies. I'll take that. It wasn't really his choice. He signed on to the film. Uh, the, the creators of the movie were like, ah, we were doing Lizard, so let's just do that. Uh, and so Lizard's here, and he looks like uh, he's straight out of the Mushroom Kingdom. Uh, one, of, one, of, one of Bowser's minions, the Lizard, who can talk. I'd forgotten that he could talk, Kevin. That was uh, something that I'd completely forgotten. He's just like, buck naked Lizard talking with his teeth and going crazy for reasons. And he kills Gwen Stacy's dad by accident because he's just raged out pretty hard in the midst of trying to turn everybody in New York City into a lizard. And then Spider-Man tells Gwen's dying father, like, hey, I promise I'll never see Gwen again. I'll even creep real hard at your funeral. That's how hard I'll never see her again. I'll just lurk. I'll lurk in the background. And, and Dennis Leary, who's Gwen Stacy, he's like, great can die in peace and then that movie literally ends with peter parker being like yeah but and so like the implication there being that he's going to continue seeing gwen says meanwhile secret mid-credit scene kevin that there's a mystery man in a bowler cap who visits the lizard who's now in arkham i don't know he's in some sort of institution and he says hey you didn't tell him about his parents did you and Lizard's like, no way, dude, that don't and by the way, stop visiting me. And so the guy leaves. Now we're left to wonder what's up with Peter's parents. And then movie two is like, yeah, so his parents, super spies, also Spider like Peter Parker, you were always gonna be Spider-Man. You're the guy who's supposed to be Spider-Man. Uh also Jamie Foxx, you're Electro, you're a super Spider-Man fan. And now Spider-Man's dissing you. Now you're gonna terrorize you're like Dr. Manhattan style, terrorize Times Square. We'll give you some really cool theme music that says, kill the spider, kill the spider, kill the Spider-Man. You're Electro, kill that spider, kill that Spider-Man. And then meanwhile, Dane DeHaan's like, oh, I got to get in on some of this. Uh, turn me into a Green Goblin, why don't you? And so he does, and he's got teeth to rival Topher Grace's Venom. He's just like, hey. And that's what the Green Goblin's all about. And meanwhile, there's all these like, we're running out of time. There's this big time runner throughout everything. It's like, time, man running out of it. And then eventually, uh, indeed, as like some clock particles are falling apart, uh, Gwen Stacy does run out of time. And Peter Parker feels real bad. I bet you should, you're thinking about uh, those, those promises now and the, the different gradations of, of promise quality, Kevin. And he, but, he, but then he's, he's sad about it for a minute. And then he's like, you know what? 
I forgot that Paul Giamatti was in this movie, and I should probably do something about that. And so that's it. And those are the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Did I leave anything out? I think that's basically it. Oh, there's like some maybe Sinister Six type stuff, right? Like there's some tentacles in a basement. These are basically, I don't know. That's, that's effectively the movies, right? I mean, for a summary, sure. That was, that was a good summary of that's about what it. happens in those movies. Did I miss anything? Did I miss any details? Anything? I don't know. I'm just trying to get us out of here quick, to be honest with you, Kevin. I'm not, Josh. This is, if you want to talk talk disagreements between us, this is the worst disagreement ever. Uh, No, I don't want to leave here, Josh. I don't want to just glance over (laughs) Spider-Man 1 and 2. No. Don't you want to just like, oh, they exist. No. Let's move on. No, no. That's everything. Like everything else in life. I think the idea. Don't you want to just go? I think the idea of something bad and terrible. It's right over there. Ignoring it is the wrong response i think just walking away from stuff is what allows bad stuff to continue and bad like crap like this needs to be put down and be like no this is trash that everything involved is trash what happened here and that's yeah that's my it wasn't good it wasn't okay like yeah i no 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 (laughs) no (laughs) all right so how do you want to do this then what do you want to do you want you want to just uh should I just like uh, sit back, uh, stir my tea and let you rage and I can just kind of soak it in? Like, how do you want to go about this? What do you want to do here? Kevin? I mean, I, I don't I don't know. You, you can contribute to this if you want. <laughs> I just did. I just told you what happened in the movies. And Electro has a cool theme song where it goes, I'm Electro, I'm Electro, kill the spider, I'm Electro. And it's great. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Even that's stupid. When he's like, it's Kevin, these movies are bad. End. What do you want me to say? They're bad. They're a cash grab. It's a mistake. Uh, the nostalgia glasses are well and fully broken. Uh, they they didn't. The, the prescription was wrong, Kevin. I couldn't just put them on and see. Uh, they're bad. They're bad films. They're not good. I like Andrew Garfield, and I really have come to sour on him here. And I don't know if it is just that, like, we've gotten some Spider-Man movies recently that are just clearly excellent Spider-Man movies, and also that we are coming out of the Raimi era, which, for its fault, at least has a lot of character and heart and personality. Uh, That this is coming of the era where we're still trying to make everything into a cinematic universe, even the universal monsters. Like, it's a nightmare. It's a disaster. It's very, very bad. We're very, very lucky that it gets, you know, cut off here at number two because they were trying to build a full freaking Spider-Verse from this thing, Kevin. They were going to make Sinister Six movies. They were going to do this. They were going to do that. And yes, Sony is still trying to do some of that stuff. And some of it really terrifies the shit out of me with the constant threat that they could always say, hey, MCU, you can't have Spider-Man anymore. Because sure, Spider-Verse is excellent. Maybe the best Spider-Man movie to ever exist. Uh, and I'm so excited to talk about that next week. But good God, if Sony ever gets back into like the I'm we are the only ones to make spider then it's going to be this. It's going to be so boring. And it's going to be it's it's not just going to be boring. It's going to this isn't it isn't Spider-Man. It's just a dude who gets mad and and, and like uh, breaks the rules and isn't even especially funny. He's not even that funny. He's so Horny! Oh my <laughs> god! He's so horny! The horniest Spider-Man. Yeah! What do you want me to contribute, Kevin? It's bad! I mean... It's all bad! That 
all that. That's what I want. It's that's what I want. Bad. I want. That. I don't have anything I constructive to say. I need. I it's, need Josh's rage. It feeds me. You know me. what? I would have been. I would have been fine to just give you fifteen minutes and say, "See you next week." Spider Verse. <laughs> what is there to say? It's not good. So you tell me, Mister Mahadeo. You come on in here, Kevin. You tell me what's what. Yeah. I mean, the question always is to like, where to even begin with this stuff? Because like, I do sure. think breaking down this movie about like what the faults are is at least something we can do. Like it's, it's, I don't think, I mean, you work for a newspaper. You can't just write a review that says it's bad and then move on. You kind of have to delve a little deeper into it for the, anyone who disagrees with us and wants us to state our thesis is thesis. I thesis systems Themises. Uh, we kind of have theses. We kind of have to just delve into it a little bit more. So that's what I'm going to do. And there's a lot. There's a lot in here. And I know there's things people point to. And even on the Discord, people were saying certain things they liked. There is, I am hard pressed to find anything I ended up liking in these two films by the end of it. Um, and it's hard to even figure out like where to start. And even if you. Here, I can tell you a couple things. You ready? Uh, Emma Stone is a great actress. I mean, the character may not be that's, great. That, okay, if we want to start with Gwen, let's start with Gwen. I know Here, there's a lot I'm, of. I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run through them quickly for you. You ready? Emma Stone is a great actress. She is, uh, especially in the first one. I think she has some moments that I genuinely really care for Gwen Stacy, and I want her to be okay. And then I spend the entirety of the second one being like, okay, they're gonna kill her. Uh, so I'm just bracing myself for that. Why do you think that? Uh, do you think it's maybe because her valedictorian speech had the phrase, it's good to die? How does yeah. someone give a valedictorian speech to say it's good to die? Dying is great. Yeah. What yeah. nonsense even that was. So that's thing one. Uh, thing two is in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, they give us a, a pretty good Spider-Man suit. You know, it's not bad. I think the Spider-Man suit that he's got in Amazing Spider-Man 2, Pretty good. Pretty good. It's fine. Just give it one. Just give it one. I'll just give it one. So that's the other thing. Um, there are some... There are some good casting instincts. Paul Giamatti is a good casting instinct. He is a good instinct. As the rhino, funny idea. Very funny idea. I like the idea. Hey, Kevin Feige, if you really are just going to bring everybody back. And as we're recording this, by the way, the latest rumor is they're going to they're going to out. And I they might they might be bringing back my man. They might be bringing back uh, Defoe. They may be bringing back Thomas Hayden Church. These are the rumors. Is any of this true? What's even happening anymore? It's potentially quite exciting. Uh, but yeah, bring give Paul Giamatti a real shot at the Rhino could be funny. I don't know. You might be able to pull that off. I like Paul Giamatti. Why not? Give him, give it a whirl. So some decent casting instincts. And then the other thing that I like, which you and I don't agree on, is I think everything that they try to do with Electro is absolutely ridiculous. And at least Jamie Foxx at a certain point turns a corner. And he's like, I'm, I'm obviously in Batman and Robin at the absolute best. So I just got to lean into that. Uh, and so I get big Mr. Freeze energy from Electro. Obviously not as good as Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze, but then again, who is? Um, but the, I guess that's four things. Those would be the four things. Oh, and Martin Sheen. I like Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben is good Uncle Ben. 
Those are the five things that I like about the two Amazing Spider-Man movies. I love that two of them have nothing to do with the movies. It has to do with like, well, the people who cast it cast good people. They did. They had the right instinct. They, they weren't. Good they instinct. weren't good in this movie, except for I will agree. Hey, D- Martin Dane DeHaan is a good instinct. Good instinct. Dane DeHaan as Harry Osborn, not a bad instinct. There's a world in which that works. Dane DeHaan, we really still got to figure out the thing for him because not bad. You mean as an actor? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, we got to figure that out. Um, but uh, the execution is, let's call it wanting, Kevin. Uh, I mean, it's the least thing. I mean, like, good God. Uh, and that's just jumping into two. I mean, oh, my God. Let's let, well, OK, here's the thing, right? You we want to start with Gwen Stacy. Let's 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 start with Gwen Stacy. And you're right. Emma Stone is a good actress, but this character is bad and worse than Mary Jane, because Mary Jane at least was a character like she had a personality. She had what I felt was motivations that exist. She had things that actually made her feel somewhat well-rounded. Can you even name? Like, a character trait about Gwen, Gwen Stacy in both these movies? Good at science. Is she? Is she? Is she? Did she do anything that's actually good at science? Because all she's they did... A, she's got a good job. She has an internship. We know that. We, she flipped a switch at the end of the, of the second movie. They told us she likes microbiology. She does nothing in this movie to actually exhibit any signs of actually liking science or of actually knowing science to a degree that would emphasize it as a big character trait for her. At least with Mary Jane, you know she likes acting and singing because she won't shut up about it. Because when you really like something, that's how you do. You talk about it a lot. She never talks about She's willing about to science. sacrifice, Kevin. She's willing to sacrifice hot cocoa from her father in the first one because she knows she needs to tend to Peter's wounds. How is that uh, a so she character says no trait? It's a sacrifice of something you enjoy for the greater good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's awful. It's awful. There's so little development of, of this character. Both of them, and Peter as well, they just exist in these movies, and they just exist in scenes. And because Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone were dating at the time, the plot consequences of them breaking up doesn't work because every time they're together, like you said, they're super horny for each other. So even when they're arguing, they're not actually arguing. Yeah, so, you know what? I'll add that as a sixth. The sinister sixth. That translates. They're horny for each other. I feel like it pops. It doesn't work for the so movie, though, because they're supposed to be sure. broken up. She's supposed to be mad at him, but they never are because they're always horny for each other. At least you sure. know MJ is mad at Peter. At least you know Peter is mad at Harry. Like, you can see because the actions dictate what's happening. Also, like, people talk about the fact that, oh, because they were dating at the time, their chemistry is really good. Not really. I think I will say I think their chemistry is better in the second one. But up until the point that they're making out in closets, actually, ugh, those are t- that's terrible. But in the first one, they're just stumbling, stuttering, staring at each other, biting each other's lip. I have good chemistry with my fiance. You have great chemistry with Emily. It doesn't mean turn a camera on us. You're going to get gold. We're in a movie. Uh, We're acting. Listen. All right. Speak for yourself, sir. <laughs> just speak for yourself. You're just sitting on the couch together with the cats. I fir- I firmly believe you put you roll the cameras and dynamite. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. You have a lot of faith in yourself on that one. 
But it, it's just mostly Faith and Emily. She's hysterical. Have you met her? Yeah, it's true. That, 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 yeah, just film Emily. Don't film you. Don't get you in there. Mm, you just, fair enough, you just fair bring enough. the scene down. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so it's Shrek and Fiona. Get Shrek out of there. The relationship just doesn't work because she has no real motivation. She's not a character. She's just there to exist and to flirt with him. And it's just it's it's bad. I know people like Gwen Stacy more than MJ. I think people like Andrew Garfield uh, and their dynamic more than Tobey Maguire. But like as far as in the actual movie, it doesn't work. There's nothing in there that feels real because they're not characters. They just say and do things because they're dating at the time and because I guess they weren't given enough direction. So that aspect of it is is not good. Um, here, so it's, it's, it is, you know, and that's fair. The the thing that is what I'm the most interested in is as uh, a friend of yours, as somebody who loves talking to you about story, as somebody who really respects your understanding, uh, of comic book lore, your, your, uh, how well read you are in these worlds, um, that one of the things, and you've been tweet storming uh, <laughs> about both Amazing Spider-Man movies. I, I think one thing that I think I know that I would, and I'm sure other people would would appreciate, is like your take on why these are not Spider-Man movies. Uh, why are why is this not Spider-Man? Was a thing, you know. This is not Spider-Man. Is you know paraphrasing something that we talked about earlier that you said earlier. Why is this not? a couple of Spider-Man movies we're talking about here as far as you're concerned. Yeah, and that, that that's a that's a fair question. And I think that's the heart of, I think, the problems with these two movies is that they didn't make a Spider-Man movie ultimately. Um, and this isn't, you know, th- there's there's a parts of it that I'm talking about there with Gwen Stacy and stuff that's just bad character. That's There's bad plotting. That's, you know, there's tonal whiplash in the second one. There's all that stuff that's as far as like movie making. Hey, literally. Yeah. Well, Mm, see, good example, uh, actually, because they even botched that scene because it wasn't Whiplash that killed her. She hit the floor. That's how she died. And that's such a break from what was so important about that death. And like this all ties back to the issues here about not making a Spider-Man movie and missing the point of the Spider-Man character. If you drill down even to that scene, right? Gwen Stacy's falling. They do the, the, the web shot of him. He's got to reach her before she hits the floor. For some reason, out of time. the web turns into a hand. Which, holy crap, that was terrible. Um, and he gets her at the last second, but it's too late because she actually hits the floor. And when he gets down there, it's the impact that killed her. When you see it, you, she's bleeding from the nose and she's dead. Uh, and that is a fundamental misunderstanding about what that death was in the comics. In the comics, when Gwen Stacy died, there's heavy, heavy implication that Peter himself caused it. He shot his web out and the... The, the tautness of the line hitting snapped her neck, quite possibly. There, there's a lot of stuff about was she dead previously because we don't actually see her talking and moving when the Green Goblin has her. But the idea that Peter, not by didn't get there fast enough, but by action of just doing this and trying to save her, possibly causing her death, that's the point of it. In this, they ripped that away. It's not there because it wasn't about Peter messing up. He literally just didn't web her in time. And it's like, misses the like i said misses the mark on what makes that important and this goes into the whole thing about how they're missing the character and a good way to start with that is probably how they start the movies both movies start with peter parker's parents which is a very difficult phrase to say um and they go into this backstory about these characters that look no one cares about 
like Uncle Ben and Aunt May are the people that raise Peter. They're they're the motivation. Uncle Ben's death is the motivation for him to incorporate now his parents into it, even in this mysterious backstory. Is like why why are you doing this? It, why are you why are you telling the story about Krypton before it explodes? The only reason I care is because Campbell Scott plays Peter Parker's dad, and I love Campbell Scott. But even then, that's not enough. It's like Campbell Scott, I'll love you another day. It's it's please leave he does though see and this is the other thing right in the first movie they start the thread of like his parents and halfway through it's gone never to be mentioned again until the post credits and then it comes up in the second one and it's gone for massive chunks of it it's really not well done because they because they really believed kevin that sony really believed that they were building their own spider-man cinematic universe to rival the marvel cinematic universe and so these were things that were going to pay off in in future movies like we probably would have gotten like i don't even know peter parker's dad's name richard was, parker like peter pa- see but that's the thing richard a spinoff yeah. about richard parker richard parker is and mary parker is nonsense there's no reason yes like nobody of course. that's not a part of the spider-man mythos that drives that character that motivates that character so already but that's ip that they they have available well then again like you're hitting parts now of like why it's terrible in the movie sense in the studio sense and, and why sony shouldn't have those toys anymore um but even, well, so, you, you know, move past that, right? They signed contracts. They got the stuff. It's just, it's unfortunate. It is, it is unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. <laughs> the business world is complicated and not great. Yes. Um, so then you have this situation where already they're starting off bad. Then you get to the stuff where Peter Parker, we, he gets bitten by the spider in the first movie. Uncle Ben dies. It's the one scene I actually do like is the actual death scene. I love the idea that Peter storms out the house. I love the idea that Uncle Ben goes after him to talk to him. And I like the update of the bodega robbery. I think that's really interesting because it, the, the the wrestling stuff works for Sam Raimi's campiness, but if you're trying to do a more modern take, not exactly ideal. So it's an interesting update that I think really and does work. And still keep the wrestling arena, right? Like yeah, he falls, he falls through, the roof. through it. There's like a reference to it, but the idea of Peter not stopping a robbery uh, that's happening at a bodega because the guy was mean. And that was really interesting because that, you know, I, I mentioned my problems with the <laughs> with the wrestling guy because I was like, that guy's a dick. And like this guy was kind of a dick as well, but Peter's also a dick. So everyone's just in the wrong here. And the idea of Peter stopping that, the guy running out, Uncle Ben being there because he came after Peter and dying, I think is so powerful and so great. I think it's an amazing update. And this is the thing, Martin Sheen, I think, great job here. And then it all goes wrong because this is where I think I remember messaging you that this isn't a Spider-Man movie now. This becomes a Batman movie. This guy, this Spider-Man that they claim, where is she? He's doing that. He's running. He's in. Swear to me. He's in dark alleyways. He's on top of gargoyles at night, brooding. He's hunting down Uncle Ben's killer, which also he's a much. He's a. He's like. He's like if Mouth from the Goonies was Batman. You know, he's a talkier Batman, but he's still he's still very broody. Right. And it's just it it's it doesn't make sense for the character. That's not what Spider-Man is. Spider-Man isn't hunting down Uncle Ben's killer. And then his motivation for stopping it is because uh, he saves a kid on the bridge. And then that drops entirely. The, the heart of the Spider-Man thing is that that happens. It's tragic. He finds out who it is when he confronts him and is just like, oh, my God, like this is kind of my fault. You don't get that in this. They miss the quintessential moment that drives a Spider-Man character. And it's such a change that just breaks it because they're, they want to do Batman because Batman's in, that it's no longer Spider-Man anymore. And that's one of the many things that leads, leads it astray. You also have a Spider-Man who's a dick. 
Like Spider-Man's supposed to be like this dorky guy. Instead, he's a jerk to a lot of people. Like yeah. he's constantly a jerk. Even in Spider-Man 2, when he captures Ryan at the beginning, he pants him. Why? Like he's just being a dick. And I think part of it too is he like takes the the intern's badge at Oscorp yeah. in the first and one. And that guy gets dragged out. That guy's who knows? That guy's entire professional career just got destroyed because of Spider-Man. <laughs> like he's, yeah, that guy is a future spider villain. Yeah. That, and and we're gonna have to root for him. <laughs> against this Spider-Man, kinda. Like he's a total jerk. And I think also when you look at it, right? Like we talked about the gooberness of Toby Maguire, but I would prefer Goober to Spider-Man. Skateboard, thrasher, punk, mean guy. Because, again, that's not who Spider-Man is. You look at what they're doing with Tom Holland, and he's dorky, but he's still likable. He doesn't have to be a dick. He's still like a goober at times, but it's okay because it just works for that character. That's who Peter Parker is. This movie has a weird thing that it hates people with intelligence and wants to, like, stereotype them. Peter Parker's supposed to be smart, and we see moments, but... He's building stuff every now and then, but this is this isn't your dad. He's Peter Parker. He's a skateboarder. He's he he can get the girl real quick, and it's not a problem. Like it's, while Kingdom Come by Coldplay plays in the background, and then the he's skating around Mumford and Sons in that weird yeah. scene. Why is Mumford and Sons there? But you have like a Peter Parker who's not Peter Parker in even his attitude, and I think it's partially because this movie and the people who made it look down on people who are supposed to be smart. Like if you look at any character who actually is supposed to be like quote unquote like a dorky geek, they look like they came out of the Revenge of the Nerds movie. Like, the kid who's getting dunked in the first one at the beginning, there's two characters he's following who are talking about, um, I forget, like, the web stuff, and they're both, like, glasses and suspenders, and in this movie, same thing, the kid who gets beat up and picked on looks like the most stereotypical nerd. Peter Parker can't apparently look like that, but nerds have to look like nerds. Those are when you see the geeky ones. When Electro at the beginning, because he's a, he's an electrical engineer, he's a total goober nerd. Look at these nerds. That's not Spider-Man. Spider-Man's a skateboarder and wears a thrasher shirt. It's, again, fundamental misunderstanding of who Spider-Man is. And if you really want to get down to the ultimate thing, which will lead us right into why Spider-Verse works, is going back to the parents in Spider-Man 2, Right. First of all, so on the off chance that someone's listening, it's like, I couldn't do it. Like, so what does Amazing Spider-Man 2 do in this regard of doing the opposite of what Into the Spider-Verse does, which is anyone can wear the Exactly. Mask? So they set up the stuff with the parents, right? Um, in, in the first movie, they're really tying in that Peter Parker's dad worked with uh, Kurt Connors and Norman Osborn to develop serums and, and stuff. And he put it into these spiders. And they need the right, you know, uh, that that could that could like help and cure people. Uh, also, also, by the way, speaking of Spider-Man as a dick, Harry Osborn comes to him and is just like, I am dying. All I need is a little bit of Spider-Man's blood. And he's just like, nah, bro, your your friend who you claim like this is supposed to be a good friend of yours is dying, is going to die. And all he needs is not even all your blood, just some. And you're like, nah, hero. That's no way. That's our no hero, way. guys. Anyway, yeah. um, so you have this stuff where his dad is working with the genetic stuff. They, they lay a little bit down in the first one. In the second one is where they reveal the big thing. He goes to this underground subway lab, which is bananas. Um, and he finds a video from his dad that states he needed to do human testing on this spider genome stuff. So he used his own DNA, meaning it would only work with people of his bloodline, which is why Spider-Man or Peter Parker became Spider-Man. Peter Parker was the only one who could be Spider-Man. He was destined to become Spider-Man. He is a chosen one. And that is the opposite 
of everything Spider-Man is as a character and as a symbol and as an icon. The whole point is that anyone could be under that mask. Spider-Man is arguably the most everyman character in comic books. And you turned it out to be like, no, he's super special, guys. He's the one who had to become Spider-Man. It was destiny. It was fate. Is not His midichlorian count is off the charts. Off the charts. He's so full of midichlorians. Like, it, it botches so deeply the heart of that character. And that's the stuff that I'm talking about. When we talked about Sandman, there's certain things I don't give a crap if you change in comics. I don't care that you change Mandarin that way in Iron Man 3. There's a lot. I, I Man of Steel, they change stuff that I was okay with. But little things, important things, central to the character. When you start changing it, you break what that character is. This is stuff we were talking about with Strunk a few weeks ago. Yes, uh, during our Spider-Man and three. About how, yeah, and talking about how like uh, Iron Man, like they they change certain circumstances. You know, it's uh, he's in uh, Iraq. He's not in uh, Vietnam. You know, there's like certain things that have been um, you know updated or whatever, like shifted. But core fundamentals of characters, like Tony Stark, doesn't have to be. Uh, an alcoholic in order to have addiction issues, right? Addiction to his armor and stuff like that. Uh, addiction to his power. Um, you would say like the core tenets of Spider-Man are lost in these two films. Yeah. And like, it comes from that aspect, the idea that, 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 that destiny tie in, because they were so concerned with making this broader universe. You had the uncle Ben stuff, like the uncle Ben stuff gets pushed away because his parents take such a forefront, but the death of uncle Ben is such a key factor into making Spider-Man who he is. Spider-Man is not hunting people down. He's not hunting down killers. That's crazy talk. That's not what Spider-Man does. It, a great a, a great example of this, um, I, I don't like a lot of the Snyder stuff for, for many reasons, but a, a quintessential example of why is that I don't like because it misses the fundamental aspects of these characters and changes little things. And the key perfection moment of this, to me, is in, uh, I believe it's Batman v Superman, they do a flashback. It's always with the origin stuff. Everybody wants to mess with the origins and that messes with the character, guys. But everyone knows how, how Batman's supposed to die, right? He Crime alley, gets shot, there you go. In the Batman v Superman movies, they make a specific case where the gunman shows up and um, what's, what Thomas Wayne fights back he swings at the gunman and struggles with him and fights him and then gets shot and then his mom and martha gets shot that again fundamentally misunderstands the point of the batman stuff the point of batman's parents dying was that they did everything they could they gave over the money they did everything quote-unquote right and it was a senseless act of violence that killed his parents when you have thomas wayne Swing at the gunman first and foremost, you change a lot of what Batman is as a character. In a way, if I thought that he this was if they were smart enough to actually do this, you could make a case that Thomas Wayne swinging at the gunman is why we get the Batman that we do because he is more concerned with being violent and macho and over the top and it wasn't about the gun, but it was about not being strong enough or not fighting back hard enough to make him this uber violent version that we see in these movies. That's clearly not what they did. So I don't want to hear anything about like no, that was the point all along. It was not. It was because there's this weird toxic masculinity thing about like a real man would fight back. And that's so evident in a lot of these films. But that's the example. That's the Uncle Ben thing, except translated there. It misses such a core tenet of what this character is and why this character is the way he is through these origins 
that breaks everything throughout. It's where you end up with like, if you can't get that part right, that's why you get this dickish Peter Parker. That's why you get a Peter Parker that it's hard to root for, to understand, whereas quips aren't about being funny, but about being mean and kind of jerky. It, it breaks these movies. And from that ripple effect, from not getting Peter right, they're not going to get anything else right. You're not going to get Gwen right because you're not going to get her death scene correct. You're also not going to write a real character. You're just going to write someone for him to flirt with. You're not going to get the bad guys right. You're not going to have motivations that make sense for them because they come out of nowhere. If you can't get your core character right, I can't see how you're going to get the bad guy right. Yeah, um, I would love to talk about the bad guys. With you. Yeah. Um, so we've we've got a few to 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 talk through, we do. right? I mean, it's really it's just the one in Amazing One. It's it's Doctor Connors. It's Reesiphons as the lizard. Uh, in two, you get Dane DeHaan as the Green Goblin. Eventually, uh, you also get Jamie Fox as Electro. Uh, and you briefly have Paul Giamatti as Rhino, but I know you don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> I, I here's here's uh, well, well let's let's start with Rhino. It's quick and easy because it's not even that that I I, I hate the Rhino stuff. Honestly, I don't mind it because ranking him as a villain or including him as a villain in this movie, I I think is a falsity. Uh, he is a presence. He helps build the Spider Man world. He helps build this world around. Right, Spider Man stops this person at the beginning who, who's robbing this armored truck. Later on, he shows up with a rhino suit because that's the world Spider Man lives in. Where people that he pits at the jail can show back up later in a rhino costume. I think that's true right. to the Spider Man world, and that works fine. That works well. I don't mind the, what they did, at least in a vacuum of those two scenes. Uh, ranking him as a villain in this movie does just doesn't make sense for me. It's like if you were to rank Scarecrow in The Dark Knight Rises. He's there at the beginning because it's an established thing to be like Batman takes down bad guys. Like you see Scarecrow again and he beats him up and he takes him to jail. But you're not going to rank him as a villain in the movie. Sure. So uh, that's fine. Yeah. So let's not rank him. Yeah. And so th- yeah. And as for as, as for the acting is Paul Giamatti. Like he's doing a weird, crazy thing. But honestly, I'm not against I it. I love it. I'm not against I it. it. I feel like his casting also it. came with like, well, we got Thomas Hayden Church, right? Remember how they were in sideways yeah, we together? We just got to go full <laughs> sideways. That's another reason why I want if Thomas Hayden Church, if they're going to pull him into MCU Spidey three, just bring Paul Giamatti in as the rhino, you cowards and put the two of them together. <laughs> just do it. Just go. If you're doing all of this, just do it. Yeah, I would you know, love if, that. If the MCU, if if MCU Spidey Three Kevin is like the rehab opportunity, right? To like do right by some of this nonsense, then like that is one of the many things that they can do. At the very least, have like their tongue firmly in cheek as like Sandman and Rhino fight Peter Parker in a winery. I mean, yeah, you know, to throw something and ridiculous spill, and right? spill Merlot all over the place <laughs> and then just have him shout like, I hate Merlot. I hate Merlot. Except you have to do it in a Russian accent. So like, I hate Merlot. Yeah. No, he doesn't. They don't have to. They could, they could, you know, if Wanda Maximoff was able to shake her, her <laughs> accent in between movies, I think that they could do it there. So that's Rhino. Uh, I, I mean, I love the instinct. I think it's fun. I, I am very much of the mind and I'm excited about uh, the Matt Reeves Batman movie for a lot of reasons. But one of them is that it seems like it's going to have a decent amount of like, um, those, uh, you know, the rogues gallery is going to have representation, right? Like, it doesn't just have to be like, well, here's the Batman movie, Joker's the bad guy. Here's the Batman movie, uh, you know, uh, Penguin's the bad guy. Like, show us, show us what Gotham's got. And and I like that instinct of having Rhino here as something of like a palette, uh, not cleanser. Like, you know, it's a table setter. Um, but it's just, it's just totally, totally whatever. Um, then how do you want to parse out uh, lizard 
Goblin and Electro. Should we go in chronological yeah, order? Yeah, let's, we just let's start, start with, with Lizard, Lizard go to Electro, and then go to Goblin. Yeah, let's start with Lizard because honestly, he's probably the best. <laughs> oh, so low, yeah, I, I such a low bar. I don't, ag- I don't agree only because I think, I, and I know we'll, we won't agree on Electro, uh, but at least Electro, like, I needed something, and I, I got like at least like a really kitschy jolt, and uh, it's so it so does not fit with the rest of that movie, but like at the very least, it's something lizard is worthless to me. Uh, the way that they do him in this movie, try and help me see any kind of light on the portrayal of, of Dr. Connors and the lizard in, in amazing. Life. I mean, they're not, there's not going to be a whole lot of light cause he's not, he's not that good of a villain, but again, the establishment in, at least in, in the movie, they, they try to establish the fact that he's connected to Peter's past in some way. He's connected to his dad. He helped form Peter who into he is. There's a, connection to him and Peter working together to try and solve the equation in order to, you know, grow his hand back. There's things, there's little tiny pieces that unfortunately are never developed enough that could have made an interesting villain. It gets real, real crappy and nonsensical when he's like, I'm going to turn everyone into a lizard. And I'm just like, Oh, okay. so stupid. Like, Come on again. Like realize, realize what movie you're making here. Uh, it's weird to have the tone of the movie that it was going for and then have that be the plot point. Also, he looks like, a Goomba in the Mario Brothers movie. He doesn't look like a lizard. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Ridiculous. Straight out of the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah, it's, it's, the look is bad, but the actor I thought was pretty good. I like the tie-in. There's very little to praise here, but at least I felt like they somewhat tried in that one to have it make sense. Uh, but again, not a lot. I mean, it's hard to. I gave him a point five. Ultimately, the half point was literally because he's a participating player in the best Stan Lee cameo ever. Oh yeah, and Amazing Spider Man. I guess that is another thing I should say is Amazing Spider Man does feature. I think the best Stan Lee cameo, or one, one of, of them, the best least. for sure. It's in it's in the conversation. Although during the MCU phase of everything is super, uh, or the Infinity Saga phase, I should say, because we've got so much more MCU still to go. Uh, we talked a lot, Kevin, about how like. The worse the movie, the better the Stan Lee cameo ended up being. True. Oftentimes, true. Look at this the correlation. Uh, the him, him is the as, you know like in the library and like conducting around, and as the fight is breaking out between uh, Peter and and Connors in the background, like that's by far and away the best scene I think in either of these movies. Yeah, I, I think I think it's great, and you, that that school confrontation isn't bad either. I mean, you have things that I think work there. Um, I, I gave the lizard a one, so it's not like I'm giving him a lot. Uh, I don't know why there was a bunch of tiny lizards that were following him into the sewer. I don't know why Peter Parker left a camera with his name on it in the sewer with the lizard. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the whole thing with the, the rooftop fight scene, which became a giant CG fest, did not look great. Um, so there's very little that works. I do like the fact that they're, they tried to make it that, you know, it's not so much kurt connors but like the lizard part of him that is that is evil or whatever and when he turns back to normal he catches peter before he falls off the roof there's something there yeah yeah, but sure, yeah sure, overall sure. Yeah. i think one is as high you can go for that and that's like part actor part like well at least i tried um which leads us into electro and i know there's a lot of people that really like electro i hate kill the spider kill the I spider hate your electro kill that spider. electro because None of the stuff you're even talking about, none of of the campiness isn't there for me because Jamie Foxx isn't portraying this in a campy way. He's not doing Arnold Schwarzenegger, Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin. The tone of these movies aren't even that. He's playing this character straight, at least when he 
you know what? Even before he turns, Jamie Foxx, <laughs> I believe he won the Academy Award. He's an Academy Award winning actor. Yeah. He's playing this role. For this role. He's playing this role. And seriously. And he's 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 uh he's Jim Carrey before Jim Carrey becomes the Riddler. He's Edward Nigma in the place yeah. with, the, with his boss. Except that movie is also over the top and campy. Everything happening in that movie exists within within itself. It matches that tone. Exactly. So you have this Electra who shows up before he transforms, who is this like again, because this movie hates anyone who who has to show that they're smart, is just the weirdest nebbish guy possible. He meets Spider-Man. There's this super weird interaction where Spider-Man has him lick his hand so he could comb his hair. And then they start to slowly kind of establish that he's crazy. He becomes obsessed with Spider-Man. And then you find out he has, he quote unquote, has anger issues, kind of. They, they show a scene of that. And then he gets transformed. And he becomes completely Those different. Eels, man. He becomes completely yeah. different. The way he talks, which, oh my God, I almost skipped over it. Dude. I knew about that that scene with the eels. I have read about it. I have seen clips of it. I still was not prepared. Those eels, they'll get you every time. They'll fix your teeth? Every, every they'll time. They'll fix your teeth? Yeah. What a wonderful thing. Why have dentists not incorporated that more? Like, get, get rid of the dentists. Replace them with electric eels. It's so... Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Oh, God. I think I just... This podcast brought to you by Big Electric Eel. Oh, uh, uh, I just figured out why why it happened and it actually makes sense kind of oh man i'm mad that i figured this out okay so the whole thing is that they establish that oscorp is doing a lot of experimentation on animals to help regrow but specifically also to heal you they're all self-healing that's why harry osborne needs the 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 spider-man blood so he can self-heal the reason because those eels were part of the experiment so when he fell in there and got electrocuted by the eels they fixed his teeth because they're healing eels that's why the teeth got fixed that's yeah i'm mad that that happened now oh my god that's terrible why are you taking away his joy? This is a good thing for him. Okay, well, anyway, so the transformation happens, and he acts completely different. Completely. His mannerisms, the way he speaks, everything is different from the character we saw exist right before that. So that doesn't make sense. The reasons he's angry and the reason he's against Spider-Man doesn't make sense. Because Spider-Man took the attention away from him, but that's not what they established earlier about his motivations towards Spider-Man or even against Spider-Man. It completely shifts because no one in this like in this movie is paying attention to what happened in the scene before. So now he's a super serious guy. He talks completely differently. He wants electrical powers and he wants to destroy the city because people don't pay attention to him. But then it becomes no because they don't appreciate the work he did on this power plant. None of the motivation makes sense. The character shift doesn't make sense. Nothing, he, even the crazy that he's experiencing where he's hearing killed a spider in his head doesn't make sense because it doesn't really come from anything that was pre-established about the character before he transformed. And then you had the end where he's doing this, this battle with Spider-Man that we're supposed to care about and it just doesn't work. Nothing about Electro works because nothing he's delivering is over the top. Nothing he's delivering is campy. I called out when I was tweeting that the, the Ravencroft Institute for the Criminally Insane, which, yes, is a right. thing from the comics, but it's so clearly Arkham Asylum, which, again, Spider-Man is not Batman. Um, that's the thing where I was like, oh, this is the closest to Batman and Robin it's become. And it's because of the, the stereotype scientist, because he's a smart person. So therefore, he has a weird accent and goggles and he's all creepy and strange. Even in that scene, Electro once again is playing it very straight. Nothing he does is being campy. The other guy's campy, but Electro's not. Like, I understand, like, it's it wants to be, like, people want it to be like, they're, well, Electro's fun, but he isn't. Nothing about this character works. 
Nothing about the character makes sense. His connection to Spider-Man makes no sense. His motivations at the end makes less sense. Like, what's Electro's deal in the comics? You know? I know he's got, like, the big gold star face. Yeah, I I honestly don't... And a green suit. I honestly don't fully know. I will admit, like... Did, was, he, was he bitten by electric eels in the comic? I don't... Is that how he got, I, got his Electro powers? I don't think so, but... It's comics, so I wouldn't put it against it, but I don't think so. Um, But here's the thing, right? Like, even that, that question about, like, what is he like in the comics? Would it matter to me? They could do something different if they actually wrote a character. If they were more concerned with actually writing a character than they were about building a universe, you could have had something here. Which is, again, why I think even, like, Jamie Foxx is a very talented actor. I think what he was directed to portray was terrible. But he himself, again, was committed to the role. He was committed to it and wasn't campy because he is an Academy Award winning actor and was taking it seriously because the tone of the movie was supposed to be serious. So when you have him now appearing in the new Spider-Man 3, I'm not against it because I think a talented actor, given the right direction and right writing, can be very good in it. But this movie, this version of Electro is awful it doesn't make any sense the Times square fight what was even happening why were those people running up the red sh- stairs yeah Josh, so we've been say, there constantly I saw, I, so i so i saw you tweet this and for people who didn't kevin during his live watch tweeted uh the shot of everyone fleeing electro in Times square by running up these stairs and if you have not been to Times square in new york city before and you haven't seen those stairs which are absolutely real they lead to nowhere there's nowhere to go. Yeah. You go up the stairs and now you're just on the top stair. That's it. And where are you going to go from and there? If you're, you just going to jump down? And it's not something that you wouldn't know. You, If you're in Times Square, you see, it's very visible. You see they go well, nowhere. Well, I mean, Times Square filled with tourists, Kevin. So it's possible that they're all tourists and they think maybe something at the top there's maybe some sort of back but you stair see it. that takes you, me down to the ground. Josh, you worked right at Times Square. You look out am, the window even, it's I there. I am kidding. I am kidding. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's totally ridiculous. I think of all of the, the Spider-Man movies we've seen so far, I would I would call this the, the most ridiculous New York City thing that's happened. I can, it's yes, not close for I, me. I can agree with that. Yeah. It's absurd. It's, ac- it's actually crazy. It's like, oh, we got to escape by running up these stairs. Run literally anywhere else. Anywhere else. Yeah. Get on the streets, uh, you know, grid out, go <laughs> go east or west. Just anywhere. Go north. Anywhere but up the stairs that lead to nowhere. anywhere but up the stairs. Do not go up those stairs. Go to the Hershey store if you got to. Don't go up those stairs. And also. Bad idea. This also, like, actually. Go to Ruby Foo's. It's right there. You know, don't go. I don't think Ruby Foo's is there anymore. But don't go up the stairs. Bad idea. It's a terrible idea. It's so, it's so nonsense. Uh, anyway. It's the worst New York thing that happens in any of these movies. Which bizarrely, I'm counting the rain. I will say this. This movie felt more New York to me than the previous one because the previous one took place in like alleyways and, and like generic scenes. Nothing about it felt New York at all. And I wonder if that was the one complaint they listened to because in this one, it felt way more New York. There were scenes that I could recognize, not because they're big touristy places, but it's like, oh yeah, I recognize that park. There was a lot of that in this one, and I kind of appreciated that that part of it, where I'm like, oh yeah, this feels like New York. Um, in a way that the, the the first Amazing Spider-Man just did not. They were they were on yeah. the, the High Line. That's cool. I was like, oh snap, it's the High Line. Like, I like the High Line. Yeah, yeah. except in, uh, that preceded a scene where the Electro thing happened, and he leaves, and leaves his shoes just standing there. What? What? Anyway, um, 
that also then segues into the other part that doesn't make sense. Again, tracking this movie, no one cared about anything when making this. Like, clearly no one cared. They were just, like you said, cash grabbing. Because at first, I thought this was happening over a couple of days. But no, I wrote this down. All right, then this is this is a good segue here. Unless, wait, do you have any electro thoughts? I will let you speak your electro. Part. No, <laughs> I've told you everything that I, I, I the song cracks me up. It's, it's so nonsense. I'm electro. Kill the spider. I'm electro. It's so it's so good. Ugh. It's uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, that that song. It just cracks me up, and I'm at that point. I'm desperate. <laughs> exactly. I think it's desperation. And people looking for something. It is. You don't have to it's look for something. You're allowed to hate everything, guys. You're allowed to do it's that. It's desperation. It's, it's a survival. You're allowed to Kevin. look at something and be like, "There's nothing good here." Um, yeah. I look at myself in a mirror and say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor, poor, poor Kevin. But segueing into the, to the next villain, this is a good branch because. So you have in this singular day, the same day that Spider-Man fights Electro in Times Square, these are apparently all the events that happened. Electro goes into Oscorp, meets um, uh, Gwen Stacy. It's his birthday. Okay, that's the establishment. He kept keeps talking about how it's his birthday. He meets Gwen Stacy. He gets electrocuted to be turned into Electro. And, and as far as other people are concerned, he, he dies. So that happens. Simultaneously, Harry Osborn returns from wherever because his father is dying. So Harry comes in to meet his dad uh, and his dad mocks him horrendously because his dad sucks. Uh, and it's just like, you're going to look like me. And it's just like, Oh God, I don't, uh, I don't want to look like that. And so his dad dies news. Then breaks very quickly that uh, Norman Osborne has passed away to the point now where Peter, who is there uh, sees that this news is broken. So Peter then goes to see Harry. At the same time, there's already a board meeting that's been called. Everything is being discussed about how to proceed now that Norman Osborne is dead. They're making big decisions and big changes. Peter comes in. He talks to Harry. They bond. They apparently go to the park. They talk for a while. At the same time, while they're talking, we find out that the bad guys are just like, oh, man, there's a dead body here. This is Electro person. Oh, that's crazy. Well, let's cover it up. Cut to Electro then waking up breaking free from his electric shell and go, starting his rampage towards uh, Times Square. Uh, all of that. All of that. Oh, yeah. And then Peter goes on a date with Gwen Stacy. And then after that date, it gets interrupted by him in Times Square. And that's how you know it's the same day because he says during that fight, it's my birthday. All of those right. events, every single one of those things that I just stated, all happened in the same day in a couple yeah. hours this yeah. is a prime prime example of why structurally if we talked about why peter parker doesn't work and in the last spider-man why structurally this movie is bad because no one yeah. was paying attention to the details that are part of the storytelling process and important. That's like Thor and Jane Foster fall in love on a Saturday to Sunday rendezvous, uh, but like on all sorts of uh, steroids. Yes, yes. And you know my problems with that part of the first Thor movie. Um, so that segues into the green guy. The green I, hate, I hate it. I hate. Thanks. I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. I and I, I guess like I just like burned it out of my mind, Kevin. So so Electro, because I, I had him at a, at a one and a half. You've convinced me. I knocked him down to a one. I know he's a zero for you. He's a zero. Uh, There's a lot of zeros for me yeah. in, in these rankings, guys. And, and and like Green Goblin, like I. I had knocked him out of my head. The Dane DeHaan version. I had forgotten that he also had just like 
gnarly spider villain teeth that hat why does this why, keep happening also why would why would a disease change your teeth like that like the whole thing is that it was a genetic I, I disease why, why would that happen i hate I, I hate it all and uh i i gave venom a zero in spider-man 3 and like i would give green goblin lower if i could i hate him so much i really i loathe everything about the way they do green goblin uh and harry osborne in in this movie it's just it's just so it's so it's just like so like pretty boy rich boy goes super insane and looks awful doing it like i like who approved the design work on like the design like aesthetically Green Goblin just looks you didn't like, like his weird point, pointed, pointed hair in the back. Oh, it's you so you, you didn't like that. Stupid. You didn't like how it's so stupid. You didn't like how his and hands like, became I, nails, kind of. And so, like, I think, like, because, like, I was gonna say that, like, Green Goblin in the first one, in Raimi, uh, you know, I've talked about how he's like a Power Ranger villain, and he's a six for me because that's in the tone mm-hmm. that works. the The aesthetics of Green Goblin in in uh, in Amazing Two. Uh, he looks again like somebody who you would have like seen on like a daytime like Fox Five, uh, you know, uh, horror show, right? Uh, you know, like some sort of like uh, Power Rangers fight the fight the you know the kaiju type of show. Uh, except like that's not the tone. This isn't Mystic Knights of Tiernanog. This is Amazing Spider-Man Two. It's at least aiming for a Nolan esque tone, and this is what you give us. Yep. Yep. It's trash. It's trash, and there's and there's no fun behind it at all, which I find in Jamie Foxx's Electro at least. Uh, but like, there's nothing for me. I cannot. I I squeeze the rag, and no, not not a drop to to be to be gleaned from it, Kevin. The thing is that that's even that makes it worse to me is that they had potential to actually do something good with Green Goblin uh, if if they gave a crap, which again clearly they did not. Um, he, the, honestly, the the stuff with him and Peter that they established when they're hanging out at the park not terrible. Like they did an okay job of trying to establish that they're friends, but again, not caring about the timeline. Peter is clearly eighteen. He said the last time he saw them was uh, eight years ago. He said. Oh, I'm here because you were there for me when my parents died. They would have been like five. I don't know what Harry did at the time. Maybe he just gave him a hug, but sure. Um, and then he talks about like braces, like, oh, I'm surprised your braces is gone. You were surprised his braces is gone from 10 years old to now? I guess. Like it, people that happens to people all the time. Like just nonsense there. But you have these moments where they're trying to establish them as friends by including banter and dialogue that I think does work more so than we ever really got in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man stuff. Um you have them in the park hanging out. And I think there's things that they're building to try and establish it. So that type of stuff I thought was okay. I thought it was bananas when Harry tried to say that he tried to, he tried to forget this place. And I tweeted about this, this place being New York city. I don't know (laughs) how he expected to do that. It's one thing. (laughs) It's one thing. If you're from like a small town, you would never have to think about that town again. I don't know how you would go through being like, I tried to forget about New York city. You turn on TV. You're going to be reminded about New York city. It's, it's an insane uh. statement. Also, <laughs> where did your dad send you to school? Like Alaska? Like how far away from New York did he send you? It's I tried. It's, <laughs> I, tried to I tried to forget it. It's, it's an insane statement. Um, but like really you funny. have the you have the, the another thing that could work again. The idea of establishing that 
Spider-Man's blood could cure him is interesting, but you don't have, you have Spider-Man who's supposed to be your hero being a jerk to be like, no, thank you. I'm not going to do that. And his motivation is, well, it could kill him. He's already dying. Uh, or it could make him into something worse. It could cross that bridge when you get to it. You're, you're a hero. Like, help him and then deal with that if that happens on the potential threat of maybe something could happen and the alternative is your best quote unquote best friend growing up it will die do something you asshole like it's so it's so bad and again it could have been something it could have been something if they cared and instead you now have him Dying. Also, by the way, it took his dad what appeared to be 40 years to die from this disease is taking him like 24 hours. What? What happened? Uh, he got it bad, dude. He got it worse. But it comes and goes, as, as you see at the end. So then he transforms into Green Goblin, shows up out of nowhere just to be like, I'll go. Which, although props to immediately figuring out to be like, oh, Gwen, oh, Peter, you're Spider-Man. <laughs> I like amazing amazing to that part he's immediately like well clearly peter parker spider-man um and then he goes to kill gwen stacy and i talked about that earlier but like all the things that they could have done to set up this as a good villain they did none of it none of it you know what's interesting too kevin is like if the idea is uh raimi era is done marvel cinematic universe happening i want some of that i need some of that and so Sony is then going to start abomination style trying to get some of that. And they're going to try and make its own cinematic universe and build things out. There is this odd rush job quality about us, uh, uh, specifically the second one. Uh, that like, if you are going to try and seed this out, then like, maybe push some of this shit a little bit further. And there are things from the... Um, from this movie that were that were that were talked about that were filmed that didn't quite make it. For instance, Shailene Woodley was cast as Mary Jane. They shot stuff with her. They did not use it, but they were already starting to like build stuff out with that. Like, there's just the, you know between that and the fact that like they wanted to make a Sinister Six movie, which still to this day, like God, I I don't know what that looks like. Certainly not in these hands. Um, you know they've done Venom. You know. Mo Morbius has been Morbius has been filmed. Who knows when we'll ever see that? Uh, but like, if they if that if this really is like something that they're so interested in, uh, they like they really yada yada through a lot of stuff instead of like giving us any kind of real like meaningful arc for Harry to turn into Green Goblin. Eventually, they just kill Norman Osborn, so they just waste him. They're like. Here's Oscar winning actor Chris Cooper for five seconds and then he's dead uh, and killing Emma Stone in 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 movie number two. Like it's just it's a lot to throw in there. Uh, and those are all like just like bad choices on their own. But like in the context of like trying to build something out, like it's just it's another thing that's just like astonishing to me. And it's a reason why you know, in what we believed was kind of like the era of the cinematic universe. Almost all of them, except for the MCU, have freaking died, have failed epically because they just have not been able to figure out what works. And what works is like treating your stories with delicacy and intelligence well, and joy of like, course. in the craft. It does, like The movie does not have to necessarily exude joy. You could make a dark movie that connects to another dark movie, but there has to be like some love of the game that is evident 
in in our experience of taking it in. And that is it's just not there. And like I feel bad uh for Mark Webb, who's the director, um, who I think is, you know, I, I really like 500 Days of Summer, but then again, I haven't gone back and re-examined it after Amazing, because like I've had no interest in in checking that out. Um, but I, I think that both him and Andrew Garfield, you know, uh from from everything that uh that I gleaned from at the time, the interviews that I did with them and just the conversations that I read of theirs with other people, like people who genuinely love and care about Spider-Man. But I think like certainly so uh, the great Torby Frazier hooked us up with a lot of like the the um, the details from the Sony leaks. And for people who don't remember around this time, there was this epic hack uh, of Sony and all sorts of company emails uh, were released and all sorts of details about all of these things, including Spider-Man. And like some of the things that were being like talked about were just like that they wanted this like to be like a more millennial Spider-Man, a, a Peter Parker who does Snapchat stories. How do you do, fellow TV. kids? That's what it is. It's yeah, exactly. You know, that. They, you know, just cast Buscemi at that point. Uh, and so like, you know, I think that the people who who were making these movies and the person who was starring in this in these movies may have had good intentions, may have had like very genuine love of the characters um, but were in a situation where they were just in a losing position against the studio at the very least. And that might be too charitable uh, to, to Mark I mean, Webb and Andrew Garfield. And I just don't know. I would like to side with the artists over the corporation. Um, but uh, you just you just don't know. But it, it just it all swirls together and creates well, this, we know, this really we stinky We know what pile. happened with Spider-Man 3. We know that there was a studio who cram, wanted to cram a lot in there. And so it's not, you know, there's not exactly, there's not a uh, precedent here to, to assume it's probably a lot of studio stuff that they want to build this big universe. And unfortunately, Mark Webb and Andrew Garfield and everyone who is passionate, and I do not blame the actors, uh, especially for, for a lot of this, um, were forced to this because that's the thing. It's a soulless attempt at exploiting things because if this movie shows we don't they don't like intelligent people um and just doing this idea because it has happened so much in in hollywood and in publishing and people in charge they just look at the surface level of something and they just make an assumption at the surface level why is the marvel movies are, are they doing so well because they're connected that's that's not why they're doing well guys but they were just like right. they're connected that's the reason uh we did a focus group the four people out of the out of the six said uh, uh, connected universe was cool. So therefore, that must be what it is. And there you go. And so they run with it. And you have the dark universe and you have this thinking that it's the connectivity and not the heart of it. The care about the characters, the, the care to care about the characters, like the people making these movies clearly don't care about Spider-Man, uh, uh, not the people, people directly, but the whatever happened. Whoever was responsible did not care about Spider-Man. They saw him as a means to an end. That end was money. And they thought that they could just fool people into it because that's ultimately what it is. And like, look, people can smell, smell bad marketing a mile away. Like, that is a fact. People can sniff it out. And so when you do something like this, you're not going to fool people. people. These people, the audience is not as stupid as you think they are. And so they caught on to it. And clearly this, this, this did not work. I mean, I'm an idiot, you know, and so like uh, it should work here. But um, 
And I look, I remember at the time just wanting to like some Spider-Man movies and also really liking the actors who were involved with it and really wanting it to be better than it was. I'm I'm so grateful that uh I'm grateful that these movies did as poorly as they did uh especially because um because the fact that they did as poorly as they did and because of the fact that they were rejected the way that they were it's why we are in the the place that we're in now with uh, with with Tom Holland uh, being Peter Parker and with Kevin Feige, who uh, his notes leaked through those Sony leaks, and Kevin Feige, like a nice guy, Kevin kind of way, sort of like why, <laughs> like why are you doing any of that? Uh, and like they're able to 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 course correct and they're able to move on, uh, and that's a you know the, I think that going back and checking this out, I think especially I feel like. I was numb to it before. I really just kind of wanted to like the the people who were involved in it. But I think the reason why, especially this time, it just like felt like such a downer was because we know what can be done now. And we know what almost got taken away uh, when the Sony Marvel thing nearly fell apart not terribly long ago. Um, and hope, you know, fingers crossed that Spider-Man 3, the MCU one, isn't just intended to be some sort of grand departure. I really hope not. I really hope that this isn't supposed to be some sort of like multiverse Spider-Man swan song and then we're done with Spider-Man in the MCU. That would be so sad. I'd be really upset about that. Um, and I think that, that I think that these are useful movies to be talking about in our journey because there was a lot that was, you know, we trended down, right? Like, you know, or or you know, briefly up and then and then down, right? You know, we we went to Spider-Man 3 and that was such a far cry away from Spider-Man 2 and so the reaction was like uh scrap all of that none of it works anymore let's try again and it works even worse uh and it eventually leads to this realization of like oh, we don't know what we're doing but not entirely cuz next week we're going to talk about a Sony production you know and and so that i i think that that's got to be a conversation for next week Kevin uh rather than like really going long on it today but I'm just kind of, I'm going to be curious to sort of, you know, I think that that's going to be an instance of like trusting filmmakers again uh, and trusting, trusting vision uh, rather than just trusting, you know, numbers and being like, well, he's Spider-Man, so he sells. I mean, ish, uh, right? Like my, my, my assumption is, is sort of exactly what you said. I think the failure of the Spider-Man stuff made them feel like, okay, well, we don't really have a lot here that we could be working with immediately. Clearly, Instead of Spider-Verse had to have been in, in development for a long time, so they were probably at that point just like, okay. And honestly, just from knowing how studios treat animation, they did not give a shit. Like probably didn't, they even didn't look. look because it's animation. Animation is yeah. stupid. Animation is for children. No, but animation doesn't make right. money. Like I, I right. will, I, that is what I assume happened. And so we got an amazing Spider-Man movie. <laughs> uh, not because it just wasn't the amazing not Spider-Man because of uh, the Sony part of it, because of the creators behind it, because those creators behind right. it are really, really good. Um, right. I I'll, I'll praise them next week, but I, I'm a huge fan of um, Lord and Miller and uh, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll save that for next week when I can really go into it. But it, it was, it was not unsurprising how good that movie was when you just let the creators who again care about the character and love the character deeply and can at least put their heart into it, make something. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, Green Goblin gets a zero. Yeah, yeah, Green, Go- <laughs> Green Goblin sucks. Does the, do the movies get a zero from you, Kevin? Um, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I will say the first movie did better in my rankings um, because the first movie I was just like, eh, things aren't terrible. There's the Uncle Ben stuff. Um, so I think the, the, the first movie got a one from me. I think the villain got a one from me. Uh, the suit did not do well. Um, but Amazing Spider-Man 2, I have not done this before. I think this has only happened in one rating previously. And it was for Malekith. But I gave a zero to the movie. I gave a zero to yeah. both villains. And I gave yeah. a zero to Andrew Garfield because he was not Peter Parker, nor was he Spider-Man. Yeah. It failed yeah. on the, on all the levels. The only thing that got a decent rating for me was the suit, which I gave a th- suit was good. Suit, good suit. I, I, yeah, uh, a huge I, upgrade in the suit, Kevin. Y- you know how you know how with, with the first one, uh, this first Raimi, I was able to pinpoint to be like, oh, it's 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 the silver that, that I don't like. Yeah. In this, I can't quite pinpoint what it is, but it is something I think with the eyes. The eyes feel really off on that suit, and it's super distracting every time i looked at it yeah but w- that's fine but like compared to the first suit in amazing spider-man one that suit is oh it's terrible astonishingly it's awful. terrible it is it's it, it is so gross the texture just feels wrong he looks like an alien like he looks like he, he looks like a like you know he would he like beamed down from it it doesn't it just looks wrong it looks so wrong the aesthetic on Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man, it's so bad. And it, it does like exude this attempt at grim and gritty that's just so bad. Well, he's wearing sneakers really, and everything. Really and like, uh, look, we're going to see sneakers in Into the Spider-Verse, but there's reason for that. And like the design aesthetics and how it works, works well there. Whereas for this, yeah, it the, the suit in the first one was not good. And I thought in my head I was going to like it. And then I saw it and I was like, oh no, 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 this is not a good suit. There's something just really off in, in like the stitching and where the parts of it break. Like just from a design standpoint, it was very, very weird. Trash. It's bad. It's bad. Um, so, you know, there's some math to be done to average everything out, but I think it should come as no surprise that the Amazing Spider-Man movies are going to uh, uh, bring up the rear on the Spider-Man rankings so far. All the villains are going to be bringing up the rear as well. Uh, Spider-Suits, Spider-Man, like, it's just, it's it's not great. And, like, for people who who uh, do find things to like in it, that's great. Like, we, we, we certainly, uh, you know... I was there once, uh, and and I I enjoyed that period of of my life. But uh, things change, people people change, things hit you differently. Uh, this hit me like a ton of bricks and just knocked me out. And especially, I just like slept through the second one. Um, a, a little bit of feedback to get through before we start closing out from Riley. Uh, this was on the first one, uh, and Riley, remember, huge Raimi Spider Man fan. Uh, Riley says, this movie blows. I hate this movie. I hate it so much. I would watch Spider-Man 3 four times in a row before I'd watch this movie for fun. Okay. I agree. Uh, that's that's Riley on Amazing Spider-Man 1. Riley on Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, this movie is terrible. It's an utter disaster and an incomprehensible, overstuffed mess. It is a worse film than the first by far, but I'd rather watch this one. Than Amazing Spider-Man 1. I'd rather sit down with friends, watch this, have some drinks and make fun of it and laugh at the absurdity that is this level of a disaster of a film, while for the first it is just boring and terrible and a rehash. I would never do that to um, my friends. Like, I I mean, <laughs> I, Riley, look, more power yeah. to you, dude. Uh, but no, like this movie, like the second one for me isn't, isn't fun. I think 
it's so bad. And I, maybe again, it is probably particular to me, but I can't just laugh. Like it's not bad enough to laugh at all the faults. Sure. It's not like the room or, or birdemic. It's just like, to me, it's just so atrociously bad. I can't look at it and not see all the broken pieces uh, that could have been swept up and fixed. Um, this is from, uh, the great Todd, the librarian. Uh, I really dislike this version of Peter in almost every way. Uh, speaking specifically of amazing one pre power, Peter would never skateboard in the halls or swipe a badge to sneak into a lab. One of the biggest aspects of the Spider-Man persona is it letting Peter finally have the freedom to let loose the part of him that he's repressed for so long, which leads to him learning the power and responsibility lesson. Having him be openly rebellious and careless beforehand just makes him seem like a dick from the get-go, who then demonstrates the proportional dickishness of a spider after he's bitten. Todd goes on to say, I don't object to Garfield being cast as Peter. I object to how they wrote Peter. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Like I said, there's just a fundamental misunderstanding is of what makes that character who he is and his motivations behind it. There's actually something really interesting I found out that uh, is, oh boy. Um, so we talk about, like I talked about the Uncle Ben stuff, right? Like I talk about Sp- Sp- uh, Peter destined to be Spider-Man. Apparently there was a deleted scene uh, at the funeral of Gwen Stacy when everyone leads or leaves where Richard Parker apparently survived and showed up and talks to Peter. And you know what Richard Parker tells Peter? With great power comes great say responsibility. It. In the first movie, <laughs> Martin Sheen doesn't say yeah. the line. He says a version of the line. He says, your father always said. Yeah. And then he comes up with like a kind of mishmash of it. So they then save it. And like, you know what? They did delete the scene. So someone there was like, no, we can't do this. Uh, and they And they changed it. But like that again shows the level of misunderstanding with this character. All right. Here's from Professor Strunk, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. The great Professor Strunk. He writes this. Here is a difficult thought experiment. Imagine you had never seen a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> you watch The Amazing Spider-Man and rate it. Then you erase your memory and watch the 2002 Spider-Man and rank it. In other words, you get rid of the nostalgia factor and the first ever Spider-Man live action movie factor. I think more times than not, the rating would be higher for The Amazing Spider-Man. Not always, but more times than not. The Amazing Spider-Man is a better constructed movie than Spider-Man with better pacing and a more cohesive story structure. And this might be a controversial take, but I think Martin Sheen makes a better Uncle Ben even though he would have been better if Sony just let him say with great power comes great responsibility and his death is worse than in the original uh, 2002 Spider-Man. That said, the amazing Spider-Man has a worse Spider-Man in Andrew Garfield. If for no other reason than he's too perfect to be the relatable nerd teen that Spider-Man is supposed to be and a much less cartoony villain, but a way less fun villain. My biggest critique of this movie is that it suffers from MCU wannabeness. Everything related to Peter Parker's dad feels so not Spider-Man-y. Forget the stupid suitcase and the end credit scene, which smack as shoehorn contrivances to build out a Sony-verse. I know Peter's, Park, uh, Peter's parents in the comics were S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, but I like it better when he's just a normal kid who happens to get bitten by a spider. Anything related to these attempts to build out a universe feel unnatural uh, and were the worst parts of the movie. I don't agree. So there's two levels to this, right? Like either if we look at it from the perspective of like 
We erase the existence of the two, but Spider-Man still exists, and we know about Spider-Man from the comics. Never in a million years does the Amazing Spider-Man get ranked higher because of the reasons I just said. That's not goddamn Spider-Man, nor is it Peter Parker. Just being a Spider-Man fan, you're just like, no. Secondly, definitely disagree. Like, if I was not a Spider-Man fan, I just watched these from a film-constructed perspective. Hard disagree, dude. The first movie does not do a well-constructed film. Like I mentioned, plot points just drop out of nowhere. They don't have any resolution. Him hunting down Uncle Ben's killer, while again, doesn't make sense for Spider-Man, he just stops doing without proper motivation too. It doesn't connect to him saving a kid. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit into what was established previously. The fact that he started to search for his parents and that goes nowhere. That should have come back into the end of the movie to tie into something to toward his motivation in order to wrap up the thing with the lizard because that's supposed to connect back to his parents. Just from a structural standpoint, Amazing Spider-Man is not a good film. It is really badly constructed, which is beyond character motivations, which is beyond character behavior. Uh, like that also, not good in this movie. Again, Gwen Stacy, not a character, especially in the first one. She is a non-entity. She has no character traits besides my dad was a cop. Um, and I'm an intern here because the plot demanded it. Like, it just, it doesn't work. So even from that perspective, I can't agree with the fact that Amazing Spider-Man is a better constructed movie. At least with Raimi Spider-Man, there is structure. There's things that lead into each other. Like there, there's a villain that while super duper over the top, still fits better into the context of the film than this movie, than Amazing Spider-Man one by far. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, yeah, you know, I'm thrilled to be through it. Uh, I'm thrilled to be. I'm I'm thrilled to have done it. Uh, it's it's a it's always a, a a pleasure to get the front row look at at Kevin going off, and and I think well earned this week, well articulated. Uh, really fun for me to to be a spider on the wall uh here and you talk it all through and i i hope that's the same for for people who who love the podcast and yeah i'm, I'm sorry who, for anyone who had to listen yeah to you this. know look don't you know you got your reasons and that's great and yada yada don't let us yuck your yum all that stuff but like uh yeah it's just not for us uh and again used to be for me i really i i enjoyed these movies and then i saw them again this time and it's maybe just in light of like everything that came out after those movies just like no no way is really bad. And also maybe just being a little less in the superhero movie trenches than I was back at the time, but just not, not good, not good stuff, but very good stuff coming next week. Kevin into the spider verse. We go, uh, miles Morales showing up as well as a Nicholas cage, Spider-Man. How bad can that be? It's I'm, I'm so excited. Like talk about like a, like talk about whiplash. Um, that's going to be happening going from what is bottom of the barrel to me to what is cream of the crop. Um, I'm so excited to talk about uh, Into the Spider-Verse, and I've seen that movie so many times, and I'm going to be excited to see it again. I I haven't seen it since the first time. I've, I've seen it many times. Um, my fiance, I think I have mentioned, did the MCU watch alongside us. Uh, when I said we're doing the, the Spider-Man movies, she said no. Uh, and then the only one that she <laughs> right. said, like, I will watch is going to be Into the Spider-Verse. So she will be rewatching cool. that one. But she has seen it just as many times as I have. Uh, she did watch, like, I think, like five minutes each of Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2 because she was there when I turned it on. How'd that go? Oh, no, she left. She, I mean, like, she had other things yeah. she wanted to do. But, like, even her was just like, whoa, this is not good. <laughs> not good. Not good. All right. So we'll get into the Spider-Verse, which will be the opposite of that. It will be, yes, great. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse coming next week. 
Kevin and I also, of course, are podcasting about The Mandalorian with the great Latanya Starks on our Star Wars podcast. We're up to the season two finale is coming up. So we'll have a season two finale podcast in your feed before we've got the Into the Spider-Verse podcast dropping in this feed. Plenty of other stuff happening on Post Show Recaps, both in front of the Patreon and behind it, behind that wall. Check it out, patreon.com slash recaps if you want to get in on the Discord Fight Kevin with the Spider-Man takes. He's there. You can talk to him. He doesn't bite. Huh? <laughs> you could also uh, find me on the interwebs. Uh, all you have to do is search Bing for my name. <laughs> I had to bring that up. I forgot I about it. But there it is. Oh, I love that he bings. Ridiculous. Forgot do you think there's bings. a correlation between the people who like Amazing Spider-Man and the people who use Bing? I'm not about to <laughs> throw stones. That's fair. That's I can't fair. do That's it. Fair. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to ding the bingers. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so you can find um, me also on the Discord. Uh, I've been engaging in conversation um, <laughs> uh, about uh, some of these things and uh, other stuff. The comics uh, community, especially the comics channel, love chatting in there, seeing what's going on. Um, and you can find me on the Twitter verses, of course. At Kev Mahadeo. That's how you find Kevin. Uh, before we close out, let's take a quick second to tell you that support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape. Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no feeds. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV. And start streaming now, Pluto TV, drop in, watch free. With all of that said, we will be back next week talking into the Spider-Verse. Until then, everybody, let's hear it from Nickelback. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.